welcome to Ghostly. Since by the next time we record Ghostly, Game of Thrones will already be over, I thought we'd go around the table and tell everyone who you are and what house of Game of Thrones you'd most identify with. Okay, so I'm Rebecca, and I most identify with House Stark. Yeah? Wouldn't everybody I, identify with well, House Stark? Well, right, and that's most? me. I'm everybody. You're every woman. Yeah, but I'm brave. It's up to you. I'm brave. I'm good at heart. Like right? Sansa, huh? Right? Like, I totally like love Sansa and Arya. I'm like a combination between the two Okay, well, in my, my brain. There are going to be some people that have never listened to or never watched Game of Thrones, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Sorry for you guys. It's just going to be a couple seconds. Now, we have a special guest. Mondo, would you like to go next? Sure. I'm Mondo, and I believe I like House Greyjoy. All right. Good yep. choice. Yeah. Nice. Why uh, House Greyjoy? Um, mainly Theon. And, I mean, they like they like boats. I like boats. Mm-hmm. You do like boats, yeah. Yeah. You know, I was going to say that I thought you were probably going to be closer to House Baratheon because you're kind of a mixture of Robert and Gendry. Gendry because you like to work really hard and uh, Robert because when you party, you party hard can, and because you like to eat hogs. Can I switch sides? No, you can't. No, it's okay. done well, already. Theon's a good man. <laughs> he is a good man. He is a good man. So is Gendry, though. So All right. Good. And I would probably say that I am Pat, and I am House... I'm going to go Targaryen. Oh, you're wearing a House Targaryen shirt. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> so that makes that's it easier. That's why I'm going to go House Targaryen. Yeah, well, you do like to be in charge. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. No, you, you have uh, that fire in you, but, uh, yes. the you know, and... You've got a, a brave heart, but you are also very fair. Um, when you run your classroom, what about the what about the Mad King? He wasn't well, very fair. All right. Anyways, this isn't a Game of Thrones podcast. Okay. If you would like to listen to a Game of Thrones podcast, I think the DVMPE Network has a podcast mm, about Game of Thrones. Yes, so that's true. Okay, we should move check on. it out. All right. So for this episode, we are bringing back Mondo. Mondo. For those that don't remember, Mondo is right down the middle on his beliefs. Sometimes he sides with the skeptic ideas, and sometimes he sides with Rebecca's open-minded beliefs. So, Mondo, how have you been? I've been good. We are really excited to have you back on the show. Uh, One of the reasons that I asked you to come on is because you share my passion of researching Chicago history, and we've had a lot of great talks about H.H. Holmes. Yes. So, when did you first discover H.H. Holmes? Oh, man. That was, boy, going back probably when I was a teenager, my mother had told me about him. Yeah. And she was like the only person I knew that actually knew about H.H. Holmes, the original Triple H. The the original Triple H. Uh, We also had a Triple H on our Winchester House episode. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But- and I know you used to, you know, get the books that would talk about murderers and stuff, and you told me a lot of stories around the campfire. Yes. It was always good. So when did you discover H.H. H. Holmes? I'm probably like a lot of people. I did not discover him until uh, Devil in the White City. Wow. Yeah. I, I that When that book came out, I everyone's saying good things about it, and it sounded cool. I had no idea what it was really going to be about. And all of it was a revelation to me of who this guy was. Had no idea that and you're he a existed. follower of H.H. H. Holmes. 
Is that what you're saying? Well, not now I am after reading that book. I, oh, okay. Yeah. I would not say I'm a supporter of H.H. H. Holmes. No, I wouldn't say I'm a supporter. <laughs> uh, I I also discovered H.H. H. Holmes during uh, Devil in the White City. And um, unlike a lot of people, I was more into the book for, for the other parts about the World's Fair than I was about H.H. H. Holmes. Whereas I kind of skipped over some of the architecture what? parts. What? That's the best parts of the book <laughs> well, to me. Well, I like some of it, but it got really The books? Long. The book, I mean. Sorry. <laughs> um, okay. So I wanted to start this off by saying that I saw another random white garment for those that follow the show. It was at the train station. It was uh, yesterday, I believe. And I'm thinking maybe this is some kind of sign that we'll forever be talking about the woman in white. <laughs> Yeah, no, you sent me a picture of it, yes, and I did. it's another cl- perfectly clean white, I think, shirt. I mean, again, like, I think I under- it's a towel in this one, but I, I could be well, wrong. Well, we'll post the picture, but yes. it's one of those things where I'm, it's one thing to see a white garment, but for it to be clean, yeah, like not a speck of dirt on mm. it, yes, is weird. And then I saw a comb in front of um, where where we did nerdy and dirty every day. Was it the same center comb? stage? Yeah, it was okay. center stage well, theater. If it had been a different comb every day, then I, I only used it once, though. Oh, okay. yeah, so it was fine. But no, I really think this is weird. This is happening. You ever seen just a white garment at a train station? No. Yeah, well, I see them all the time now. I guess. Really? Yeah, I guess that's my thing. Hmm. <laughs> so this is going to be a really good episode. It's got a ton of history, and I will admit. There are some very st- spooky things associated with H.H. H. Holmes. Yeah, I was not expecting that. When you first suggested this episode, I was like, yeah, I've never actually heard any ghost stories associated yeah. with Holmes. It's, I mean, yeah, it's a creepy story, but no, there's actually several. Like, there I'm is. not even going to get to all of them. There yeah. is a lot of ghost stories associated just with Holmes, too. And then there are some that surround Holmes and his victims. Yes, uh, I think that's the correct word to use for them, victims, right? Yes. Okay, so we've been getting a lot of new listeners, and uh, I'm really glad that you all have found us, but I thought that because of that, maybe we haven't talked about what this show is trying to accomplish in a while, so maybe we should. Maybe we should bring that out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Y- yeah, just do you want me to do a run-through? Yeah, if you'd like to. Oh, okay, so we're a debate. Right. So our goal is we we go we cover the history of the topic and then I tell a ghost story, which is based on all of the kind of the the sightings or things that mm-hmm. people have reported. Um just kind of get us in the mood. And then I go through the different sightings and, and things out there um and talk about what I think is true, what I think is maybe dubious, and then uh Pat and now Today, Mondo gets to join in yeah. on what you think of And he's that right down the middle, stories. too, so I'm yeah. really glad to have him on this show. Uh, we really believe that you should know all the details before you claim to be hashtag team skeptic or hashtag team believer. Uh, I would love it if everybody came in like Mondo and was right down the middle, and this way they could hear what we have to say and decide. But we are not really trying to change people's mind. We just want to give you all the information. 
Right. We're never going to come to a conclusion on the show. That's for you, the listener, to come to your own conclusion. Absolutely. And although I may joke around a lot, this debate is all in good fun. We generally like each other and like spending time talking about ghostly things. So we would do this even if we didn't have a podcast. Yes. Um, This podcast is also supposed to be entertaining. So we hope you have as much fun listening to it as we have putting these episodes together. And I understand that this concept, this idea is not for everyone. And that's okay. I am a skeptic. But I am looking for that one bit of evidence that will make me change. I have not always been a skeptic, though. And I am truly sorry if I offend anyone by my current beliefs. This is just part of the show. I really do not try to change people's minds when, you know, when we're talking. In fact, I have a lot of friends that are believers. And in a lot of these events that we've gone to, uh, the believers actually invite me back to events because I don't really try to push my ideas down their throat. So people have asked me recently, if you're a skeptic, then why do a podcast on ghosts? Right? That's a pretty legit question then, right? Uh, the answer is that, oh, Mondo nodded, by the way. That's why I just yeah. kept on going. So <laughs> nodding does not work on a podcast. Though. Sorry. Uh, maybe one day we'll do a video podcast for everyone to see you nod. Cool. <laughs> the answer is that I am fascinated by the concept of, of ghost stories. And um, I thought we could offer you something that not many can, a look at both sides. So there are many podcasts and internet radio shows that express one side or the other. Most are ghost believers and purely that. And we want to give you the information so that you can decide which side you fall on and you can make up your own mind. And we really want to hear your conclusion. That's why we have a poll. That's why we do these kind of things where we ask you your thoughts. Uh, If you're looking for something that is less about the debate and more about believing, I would love to recommend a friend of ours that does a radio show and podcast. It's called Bob After Dark. It's a great show. Oh, yeah. And he goes into, it's not just ghosts, like he'll go into uh, fairies and gnomes and all sorts of weird legends and things that I had never heard of before. It's Yeah, it's really He's just such an awesome guy. He's a really sweet guy. He's got so much information, too. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're looking for something like that, that's who I would recommend. So we're not trying to convert anyone to our ways of thinking. We only want to make you think. That is my goal in this, is to make people think about stuff. But I realize that not everyone is open-minded about their beliefs. So we've decided to start putting times into our show notes. And this will give you the option to only listen to what you want to hear. It's like an a la carte entertainment. We just hope that you give uh, that you gain something from our show. Yeah, I mean, we've been getting a lot of new listeners, so I think that there uh, people people like the concept. I'm excited for it, and uh, I I always love to hear what everyone thinks. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's it's super fun, and it's, it's I think it's unique out there in podcast land. Right, as a listener and a contributor, what do you think, Mondo? Definitely the I love the show, and the main thing that I like, I love the history. I love the fact that you guys cover everything the way you do, and you know the fact that uh, you guys are debating it is is awesome. I love uh, both sides, and yeah, I like to think of it from a different perspective yeah, too. That's- absolutely, and you know that brings us to the next thing that are going to be our polls from the last episode. Uh, I think 
Hashtag Team Believer came out with great numbers for the last episode and our first time putting our poll on Facebook. Yes, we've we've made the switch. Uh, we kind of had both the website poll and yes. the Facebook poll open, and it turned out we definitely had a lot more votes on Facebook. Yes, so, so I think Facebook is our platform. Facebook is definitely going to be our platform going forward. And you know what? We would love to uh, just keep encouraging people to vote. Yes. Um, and uh, I think we'll maybe we need to try to push the poll a little higher up in the the feed a few more times, but yeah. but definitely look for it. It's there. Please uh, follow us on Facebook and uh, vote after the episode. How do they find us on Facebook? They can search for Ghostly Podcast. Ghostly Podcast is the place, mm-hmm. and that's on all social media. On all social media, Ghostly Podcast. You got it. Okay, so poll results from Peshtigo, Wisconsin, which we did get confirmation from a listener that it is Peshtigo. Not Pestigo, not Pashago, whatever. Pestiago? Yeah. <laughs> Pestiago's <laughs> my favorite one. <laughs> Pestigo. Uh, so 73% of the voters believe that it is haunted, and 27% say that it's not. Well, that's on Facebook alone. We did have one single vote <laughs> on the website uh, that said, nope, it's not. Okay, so, so maybe it's like 72 one to 29%. Yeah, it was a landslide victory. So congrats, hashtag Team Believer. <laughs> I think Rebecca did a great job coming out with the evidence for the Peshtigo fire episode, and I didn't really bring the thunder, I guess. I guess. Well, it was a fun episode. There was a lot was. of good ghost stuff in there. So It was. I really learned a lot. Mm-hmm. So I think it's time to get into the history. Yes, so let's do this. This is probably going to be our longest episode ever just to let our listeners know in advance. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of history, and I'd like to cover as much of it as I possibly can. There is a limit. There are tons of books about H.H. Holmes. There is a ton of podcasts about H.H. Holmes that focus their whole entire podcast or whole entire book on H.H. Holmes. So there's no way I, I can cover it all in this one, but I want to... Tell you guys what the most recent stuff is about H.H. Holmes. Yes, there's definitely some new stuff. And there is. Again, and this is, again, the benefit to, we are putting those timestamps out there. So if you're someone that doesn't want to hear the history, if you'd rather just go right to the ghost stories, yep. you'll be able to do that. Just look in the show notes. So we picked today to do an episode on H.H. Holmes because May 16th was his birthday. And it's the day after we're coming out with the episode. Mondo, did you know that? Nope. Yeah, I was so unaware. We we actually wanted to do an H.H. Holmes episode um, about a month and a half ago, but then I looked up his you know some information about him, and that was his birthday. And I'm like, nope, we have to wait. And we actually released information about it on the day that he was um, executed. I think that'd be the proper word, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So a lot of the information that I'm about to give you comes from the book H.H. Holmes: The True History of the White City. Devil by Adam Selzer. It's a biography of Holmes that was released in 2017. Definitely worth a read, although it's more of a history book than a story. So if you're looking for a story, it's not set out that way. Um, But it is really good. So I haven't been doing the time perspective. I'd like to do a time perspective in here because I didn't fully appreciate the story until I really fit it into some time. And There's only a couple things I'd like to talk about. Most of the murders took place in the time of H.H. Holmes' murder castle, or after that. 
So that's where I will focus our time perspective on. In these days, homes might have seen a couple of cars on 63rd Street, but that was a luxury for the very wealthy. Most travel was done by train or horse and buggy. Now, both me and Mondo used to live off of 63rd Street. I was a little further away, but so I'm sure you've been by the area where the murder castle was, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so have I. Can you tell us about it? Because I've never been there. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, well, today, it, of course, everybody mentions it's the post office, but um, actually, you'll notice it the it is directly to the west of train tracks, and what they had back then was uh, a lot, or I mean, I'm sorry, there was a street that actually ran where the post office is today. So okay. when you look at a picture, typically we're thinking like the post office sits directly over the yeah. house, yeah. but it's actually over the street that oh. used to be there. Um, That's interesting. So, I didn't know that. Yeah. A portion of the post office, uh, just to the west of it, is where the castle actually was. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when they talk about tunnels and things like that, um, it's under the streets. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's that's really interesting. Thank you for that. Um, so also too, I would like to say that telephones weren't even invented until 1876, and most homes did not have a telephone, so you couldn't just get on the phone to call someone and check in on them. Yeah, that really will come into play as yeah, you tell the story. Absolutely. So this made it an ideal time for these kind of murders to take place. Think about it. If someone went missing, it would take you a long while to even realize that they were missing. And Holmes took advantage of this many times by telling people that, you know, oh, these people went on vacation to Europe or they left town or whatever when they were actually murdered. Right. Yeah. And, and there wasn't even really electricity in use then. No, no. And that lighting. I mean, it existed, but it wasn't. Yeah. It was, that common. was the main thing about the. Uh, World's Fair, the 1893 World's Fair was, uh, that's why it was co considered the White City, yeah. because they were using electricity in such a large scale to, at that time, to show everybody that this is the future. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of Chicago, people wouldn't go out at night because it was so dark, because the buildings blocked all the moonlight from coming in, so you couldn't really see anything. So, you know, that's why it became a big thing that... Chicago was this dark city, and they wanted to put lights. So the 1893 World's Fair became the White City then. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah. So here's, here's the thing about the H.H. Holmes story. It's hard to sort through because even today it is filled with so much folklore, some even made up by H.H. Holmes himself. I don't know if you guys knew this, but H.H. Holmes was a liar. <laughs> Not just a, a murderer. I had a suspicion. You had a suspicion? Yeah. He was a liar, murderer, thief, just about everything. He actually said uh, that he ran through the gamut. Actually, he said he ran through the calendar of, of crimes. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to say he ran through the gamut of them all. Hope I'm using that word correctly. Stop me if I'm not. No, you're good. Okay. So I'm going to start off with his early life. H.H. Uh, Holmes was born... Herman Webster Mudgett, on May 16, 1861. That was a month after the Civil War began. So I thought that was interesting, too. He went by many names. H.H. H. Holmes is the one that sticks the most. It was actually Dr. Henry Howard Holmes. That was his full name when he changed it. 
He was born in Gilmanton, New Hampshire to Levy Horton Mudgett and Theodate Page Price. That's a name right there, Theodate. Uh, he had four siblings and was born a middle child. His parents were devout, hardworking Methodist. His father was a painter, a farmer, and a postmaster. So there are a lot of stories about him matching up with our typical views of a serial killer, like torturing animals or being abused by his father. But all facts seem to point to that he was a good kid, actually. He always did what he was told, a good student that, that always attended church in his young life. He was kind of a loner, but had a charisma about him. I mean, he had to be, because he convinced a lot of people of things. He was a con artist. Uh, even though he never looked people in the eyes, because he had this genetic defect that didn't allow him to. He struggled to have people trust him because of that. Well, but he must have somehow got them to by what he said, I guess. Oh yeah, I think he think he had four wives at one at one time. <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> He's the opposite of what we now know of as a serial killer. Serial killer was a very new term in those days. I don't even know if that did it exist in those days. They were starting to. Okay. They were starting to call people that. A lot of what people have said that he did came after he was claimed to be the devil by others and himself. So although in his adult life, he was a con artist and a bigamist, we already talked about that, people did mention that he had a lust of money even as a child. I even question if he was actually a serial killer or not. I don't question that he was a murderer, but that the term serial killer usually refers to a psychological reason for the killings. I believe his killings were all about money. Hmm. I like see. This is where I'm not sure because I feel like you could still be considered a serial killer because he's killing over and over again. And I do think he took pleasure in killing because he could have stolen money from people and not killed them. Yeah. So but I what, mean, it's but not a typical. But what you're questioning is the definition of serial killer, not. Not the facts of this. So oh, absolutely, yeah. No, yeah. like I mean, what he did, what he did. But the question is, so then what would we call him? Like a serial murderer? Like I don't know. Like what would be the de- like? No. I don't. Maybe we need. Maybe we need better definitions. Well, of- we like to label things, and a serial killer has to do with a psychological thing. It's part of the definition of it, right? Like he's not Ted Bundy, I guess, or Gacy, where the killing is the thing. Whereas maybe for yeah. him, the killing was definitely part of it. But he also, it was about the money. But I don't, I don't know. What do you think, Mondo? Yeah, like the killing was secondary. So that I have to believe that he enjoyed it too, because that would be dessert. You right. could have taken their money and let them go, or done something and let them go. But he did a lot. You know, he did that. But he did a lot. He scammed a lot of people out of a lot of money, and he didn't kill them. Right. Yeah, right. he just enjoyed it. He enjoyed getting one over on everybody else. Yeah, but th- that's the thing. We don't know. We don't know. We can't talk to him, so yeah, we don't know. That's true. And he lied a lot Maybe about his... Maybe we can't talk to him. What? Maybe we can't. Seance, seance. <laughs> uh, his grandfather died when he was 14 and left him with a piece of land. And also, this was at the same time he was engaged to be married for the first time, at the age of 14. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is it with the young marriage? We were... You know, we talked about this with um, Poe, right? Yeah. Like this young man. Well, he's 14 and getting married... Most but, men did not get married that early. Yeah. But things were different then. I mean, a lot of a lot of a lot of people at the age of 14, well, a lot of men cuz women weren't going to school, but 
a lot of um, a lot of men at those days at the age of fourteen they would drop out so they could help the parents you know raise yeah. uh, raise kids or have a farm or get a job you know do something yeah but he continued to go to school um, although he was engaged uh, the girl's parents put a quick end to this by sending his fiance back to her hometown in New York. It must have been the look in his eyes. Ah, (laughs) If they could look him in the eyes, yeah. (laughs) Uh, At the age of 16, Holmes graduated from high school and took some teaching jobs in Gilmanton and and Alton. Back then, you didn't really need a teaching certificate. You just went through the class and then you could teach it, right? Yeah. Uh, He married Clara Loverling on July 4th, 1878. So I think he was 17 at the time. Uh, they had met and began dating at a church social. There's stories around this, too, uh, that somebody was coming on to her, and he got upset and stopped that. But they had a son together, Robert, on February 3rd, 1880. Clara was devoted to Holmes at that time and spoke well of him. This was believed to be his only marriage for love, though. Mm. Although, I mean, of course, that's up to... Speculation, yeah, because we say, don't know. We don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, I'm guessing he didn't stay with her. So, well, they were married his whole was. life. I mean, the rest of his life, they were married. So, okay, but he, yes. but he married, quote unquote, other people. Yes, yeah. we'll we'll talk about okay. some of that. Yeah. I, I don't cover all of it, but we will talk about some of it. But he, he was. Um, she did leave him. He tried to get a divorce. The divorce was actually. Uh, wasn't wasn't granted, and um, he claimed that he thought that she had died, and he married three other women. So there you go. And yeah, that is something. Uh, it was around this time that he decided to study medicine. He did this because he believed he could make a lot of money as a physician, especially if he invented some kind of prescription medication or miracle cure. That was his first start of trying to get a lot of money. He first enrolled in the University of Vermont in Burlington. Uh, the faculty there remarked that he was an ordinary student, nothing odd about him, although he did seem really excited to dissect bodies. Oh, okay. That might have been a red flag somebody could have caught. Yeah. And while boarding at the school, there was one strange occurrence that happened. One of the faculty noticed a smell coming from his room, so she went in to investigate and was horrified to find that a body of an infant child was under the bed. So this was probably not a murder he committed, but a body from the class he was in. Wow. Now, he liked his homework. Yeah. I mean, I guess I will say, though, at this time in history, I know in England, I guess maybe it was a little bit before this, but you know, there was a lot of grave robbing. You know, yes. to get bodies to use to do medical research. And yes. it really wasn't as, it was scandalous, but it wasn't as yeah. scandalous, I well, suppose, as today. In the next thing um, that I'm going to say, he didn't like Burlington and transferred to the University of Michigan's Department of Medicine and Surgery. Michigan actually had a lot of bodies. Mm. They had some kind of policy and effect that they could have more bodies. Okay. So, so he's like, more, I want to go to the more body supportive. place. I don't know if he did it for that or he just did it because he didn't like. Oh, he wanted the bodies. Yeah, oh, probably. <laughs> uh, it was at this time that his marriage started having issues. Oh, she was like, you you just 
care about the bodies, not mm-hmm. me. And you have this smell. Yeah. yeah right. You come home you with this smell. Like smell. <laughs> uh, there were reports that he was abusive to Clara, but this has not been confirmed. Uh, some of the, some of the students that he went to school with after the fact say this, so mm-hmm. it's it's really hard to say. Yeah, it's easy to come up with these things after the fact, you know. Clara did leave him though, so that could be some evidence of that. She took his son back to her family home. She said that she knew little of him a- after she left. She got she she noped out of there and lived to tell the tale. Right? Yeah, one of few. <laughs> yeah. So he would teach at the school while while he was attending the school. So teaching classes that he had already went to. And he did this to make ends meet. There were some weird reports of him bringing in body parts to talk about in class. But this seems not to be true after looking at some of the evidence. Oh, man, I, that would have been cool if it had been mm-hmm. like you just walked in with like an arm. It was a foot, actually. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it was a foot. Yeah. There. So the story goes is that he was with the doctor. The doctor was going to amputate the foot. And uh, he helped him do that, and then he he took the foot and brought it into class the next day in a briefcase, probably. Because that's where you'd put it, right? No, but that that seems not to be true. It seems to be all folklore. So Holmes said that it was while he was in school that a bunch of students came up with the idea of using cadavers, which those people that don't know cadavers are dead bodies, uh, to defraud life insurance although he claimed to not have done this at the time. Mm. Well, he graduated in June of 1884, then moved back for a short time before moving to Moore's Fork, New York. I think it's Moore's. It sounds good to me. Moore's Forks. Moore's Forks. It's plural. Yes. <laughs> they have a lot of forks there in New York to be a physician and a school teacher. While he was in New York, there were reports that Holmes was seen with a small boy, but that this boy disappeared one day. Uh, there was no investigation into this, and it seems that it was probably his son. The one that he had from... Robert, it? yeah. <gasps> his son, Robert. Yeah, that's okay. Oh, oh, meaning not that he killed him, no. just that like he was no, visiting Robert, Robert and then lived. went back to his mom. Okay. Yeah. I was like, how would we not know if that had happened? Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So Holmes moved to Philadelphia then after that and got a job as a keeper at Norristown State Hospital. I'm not sure what a keeper is, but I know that that gives them access to bodies a lot. I don't think we still have that position. (laughs) But he quit after a few days. He took a position at a local drugstore. But while he was working there, a boy died after taking medicine that was purchased at the drugstore. He denied any involvement, but quickly left the city. Some say this was because he was already selling human remains and skeletons and was worried he'd get caught. So can we just stop for a second really quick with, because you mentioned the miracle cure earlier and the and the medicine, which made me think of Miracle Max, by the way. That was my thought with that, with the Princess Pride. But oh, yeah. the idea of that someone died taking medicine after his purchase at the drugstore, that medicine back then was not what we're thinking of today. No, people could go in and buy cocaine. Well, and it was made by oftentimes the druggist, you know, or you know what I mean? Like, or they would get like the raw product and kind of like put stuff together. And so that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like, but I'm just saying like today, if you bought medicine at a drugstore and you, it was tainted and you died, it would be the drug company's fault. Like Baxter or Abbott. Tylenol, whatever. But like now back then, 
no, it's like you mixed this. Like yeah. you did it. They made their own concoctions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So he very well could have accidentally killed that kid. Mm, yeah. Put too much of something or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. So he got out of town and he went to Chicago in 1886 where he changed his name to avoid being linked with his previous crimes. Holmes found a drugstore on the corner of Wallace and 63rd in Inglewood. It was owned by Elizabeth Holton and her husband. I had seen his name a couple times, but I, I can't find it right now. So, um, Mr. Holton? Yeah, that's his name. Oh, How'd you know? yes. <laughs> so her husband was said to be both an elderly and sickly man. But the actual facts don't support this theory. Her husband was four years older than Holmes. And Holmes died at the age of 35. Mm. So, I mean, he was not an old, old man. And he was not sickly either. Uh, Holmes was offered a job at the drugstore. He worked hard and saved enough money to buy the drugstore. Although some people think that he murdered the Holtons, this was untrue, as they lived for many years in Inglewood. There's lots of records of them. The truth is, if anything, he probably just scammed them like he scammed so many people by paying a fraction of the price in cash and then using what they called promissory notes for the rest. And yeah, really he, knew mortgages how, then. he knew how to play the court system too. Oh, he did, yeah. Yeah, he would often put up other people's lands, you know, as the promissory note. He would say, yeah, well, I have partial ownership in this land, which he didn't. <laughs> and um, yeah, that eventually caught up with them. But So anybody have anything to say so far? No? How's, how's he doing, Mondo? Is he telling the truth? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Holmes saw some potential in the lot across the street from the drugstore. I don't know if you knew that, too. That wasn't where the drugstore was originally. Right. It was yeah. across the street from there. Correct. Yeah. Um, and went about purchasing it and drawing up plans to build what was to be called the murder castle. <laughs> the murder castle was a two-story building and was a city block long. The first floor had a retail space for drug for a drugstore, a barber shop, a jewelry store, a restaurant, and a few other businesses. The second floor was set up to be living spaces. There was over a hundred apartments set up on the second floor. Hold hold on. Okay. I'm gonna tell you I know you're gonna say about the third floor, right? No. Oh, okay. Go no, ahead. I was just gonna say no. This is I. This is not something that I e either. I don't. Rem I didn't remember this from the book, or I didn't know it that it was such a big thing like because when you were just talking about it being mondo about the like on the street plus the thing like it's a city block like that's it huge block and long. that there were yeah. a bunch of other businesses in there yes. like when i picture the murder castle i picture like a house you yeah. or like a slightly bigger house and then like it goes up and it's like it no like this castle. was this was huge <laughs> but this is like a city block and it city had a block. bunch of other businesses and whatever and then yeah Okay, so this is, okay. Yeah. I have a different visual in my head than I had before. So. Is that what you knew, Mondo? Yeah, they yeah. had uh, diamond, uh, or I mean, uh, jewelers that were yeah. downstairs as well as uh, other businesses, I believe. Yeah. yeah, and none of these people knew what was happening. Well, uh, they might have towards the end. They might okay. have, yeah. I, I don't talk about that, but uh, yeah. Yeah. They might have. Mm. Um. Yeah, actually, the... The jewel, the jewelry store, I believe, um, he might have might have killed uh, the wife of the of the jeweler. Okay. 
Um, and that was during an abortion that they oh. said. He performed an abortion and he mm. said that he accidentally killed her. Accidentally. Yeah. Mm. Well, that I I believe, but he, she was his mistress, though. Yeah, so I'm anyway, not sure about that. Anyways, but anyways, moving yeah. on. Yeah. Also, too, I was going to mention, you know, when you think about him having all these tenants. Yeah. And the guy is known for scamming people for money. Yeah. It's like, it seemed like he had money coming in left and right. Yeah. But where was it going? Because he wasn't paying anybody. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't even mention in my really report. Interesting I don't even mention in my report that he had like three other businesses too. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So it wasn't until news broke out that the World's Fair was coming to Chicago that Holmes decided to build a third floor onto the murder castle, which would be a hotel for the World's Fair. Although a lot of reports say that it was never finished. Mm. So this is something that's also um a lot of folklore about it that, you know, he would meet women at the train station and convince them to come stay over at the at the hotel. Well, it might have been the residence, but it wasn't the hotel part of it. Yeah, and gotcha. it, that was kind of easy, too, because uh, most hotels uh, were downtown. Yeah. So for people that don't know where the World's Fair was, it was um, pretty far on the south side. Yes. So for people to travel... Uh, from their hotel every day to the World's Fair, they had to take a train from downtown yeah. and all the way to the south side to where uh, the World's Fair was, which was three miles from the from the Murder Castle. Okay, and um, so you could definitely walk that. Yeah, yeah, and the Murder Castle actually wasn't called the Murder Castle. No, it was. Yeah, no, he didn't choose yeah. to call he it. The yeah, he didn't advertise castle. that. <laughs> yeah, it was the World's Fair Hotel. Well. When he was talking about putting the hotel in, yeah. not right. at first, it was right. just the drugstore, yeah. right? But still, yeah, yeah it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, but he, it never fully opened, so it's not listed on anything as that, right? Mm -hmm. He just marketed, yeah, it as that. And then, if you're going to meet somebody, some girl that's never been to the city at the train station, I mean, what better way to lure them over? To there by telling them they get to stay at the lavish World's Fair Hotel. Yeah. Well, and remembering too back then that, I mean, the World's Fair lasted how long? Like three years, right? Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, they put a- It was multiple years, right? Or was it a year? I think it was one year. Okay. The 1933 World's Fair lasted a little longer. Okay. Yeah. Well, it lasted three years I mean, to me. <laughs> well, it took them <laughs> years to build it. And yeah. you know, I mean, like you didn't just build this thing and then have it run for like two weeks, right? You know what I mean? It was huge. And so when people would come to visit the World's Fair, it wasn't just for like a necessarily just a weekend back then because it took a, a yeah. lot of money and time to travel. So you were going to plan to stay, yes, for absolutely. a while. Yeah. So it was named the Murder Castle. Uh, there was a lot of different reasons why people nicknamed it the Murder Castle. One of one one of the reasons was because many of the rooms were outfitted only with a locking mechanism from the from the outside of the room. So, meaning people could be locked in the room. Yeah. So, tip, just a, just a tip, general tip. Uh, don't rent a room that only has an outside lock. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just a <laughs> just a thought, throwing it out there. It also had a giant furnace in the basement, which Holmes used to burn his victims' remains as well as vats of acid and gas lines hooked into some of the rooms and a lot of soundproofing. Yeah, don't, also, don't run a room at a place with a vat of acid downstairs. Yeah. The murder, the murder castle had chutes installed all over the castle to drop things from every floor to the basement. 
things like bodies, maybe. Now, here's the thing, though. I don't know how many murders actually took place in the murder castle. It was not many. Well, we don't know. He was really good at getting rid of evidence. We're going to talk about that. But I, I do not believe that there was as many as what he claimed and what people have claimed. Um, to build the castle, Holmes would hire contractors and never pay them, and they would quit or he would tell them to leave, and a new crew would be brought in. So nobody really knew every one of the plans. He came up with the plans himself. So similar to Winchester, Sarah Winchester, but she kept the same crew. Yes. And paid them. Yeah, they were, they were on staff 24-7 for yeah. her. When Holmes was eventually arrested, there was not much evidence found at the murder castle. So that's why I say I don't know how many murders actually happened there, although the design alone was used as evidence against him. It is reported that because Holmes had knowledge of how to dissect bodies that he used to kill his victims and sell their skeletons off. That's why he had vats of acid and lime in the basement of the murder castle. Nobody is really sure, though, how often this really happened. Um, But it is believed that it would have been more had the hotel on the third floor had been opened up. So they believe that that was more his plans than what he actually did. It was it was hard to get rid of all these skeletons. So the truth of the matter is, it probably was not a good plan for him. Uh, I did double check, and the World's Fair uh, ran for only about six months. It opened May 1st of 1893 and ended October 30th, 1893. Wow. Wow, okay. So... Yeah, I but suppose still, if you six months, yeah, mean, six yeah. months uh, for him to lure people in, and you know, that would kind of make sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, well, there were also a lot of didn't... people moving to Chicago. Yeah. So yeah, well, it, it it left Chicago devastated too when the World's Fair was gone. It boosted up the economy so much, and it dropped down like a roller coaster ride. Mm. So I'm sorry, but we really don't have time enough in this episode to cover all the history of H.H. Holmes. We'll post a poll question, though, on Facebook asking if you'd like a special added episode on just the history of H.H. Holmes. This would be an added episode and not interfere with the regular ghostly episode every two weeks. And I'd love to talk about each of his murders, but I'm going to take a huge jump here because we really need to talk about his conviction and execution, though. So if you want that special episode, just hit the yes in the poll, and that will probably be out sometime next week. Okay. What eventually led to Holmes being caught and tried was that he was making a lot of money taking out life insurance plans on people and then presenting bodies. Some of these were the actual bodies of people that had the insurance policies, but some were faked. Uh, If he could find a body that looked like the person... The odd thing is that you could take out life insurance policies on people without them knowing that you did it, especially in those days. It has happened in more recent times, but usually this is a business that takes out a life insurance policy on their employees. Ooh. Yeah, that's come, come up a couple times in the last 10 years. So um, he was, So I didn't know that. And after that, that was one of those fascinating things to me. It's like you could take out a life insurance on somebody and cash it in without anybody knowing that you had that life insurance policy out on Yeah, it. that was that's not a good policy. It's still 
currently you you still can with some insurance agencies. Really? I thought you had, well, you have to now get you like need a to have signature. Their social. Oh, yeah. But like that's information you can get. I yeah. Mean. But yeah. back then you didn't need any of that. Right. There was an interesting case that happened in New York in the 30s, I believe, and um, it had to do with the guy by the name of Michael Malloy. And oh, okay. uh, he was basically like the town drunk. And hmm. the people at the bar took out a life insurance policy oh, on him. I've heard this. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then they, once they had the life insurance policy, they did everything they could to get him to drink himself to death. Yeah. But that didn't work. Yeah. So then they began kind of helping him out a little bit by putting antifreeze in his drink. Thumbtack sandwiches, all kinds of things. Um, They even dumped them in the river, and he kept coming back for more. (laughs) And yeah, he was drinking them dry. So eventually, they ended up uh, gassing them to death. It sounds like a friend that we that we had before (laughs) that fell off a what a third story, yeah, uh, third porch, and uh, got up and went back up there and fell off again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, I'm sorry to go off on a tangent here. Um, So. He, um, so yeah, you can take out insurance policies on other people. Uh, he was convicted of a minor crime of selling mortgage, mortgaged goods in St. Louis, but was quickly bailed out during this, probably by one of his wives. He would actually travel with several wives too. Um, during this time though, he came up with a plan to swindle an insurance company of $10,000, which doesn't sound like much nowadays, but that's $300,000 in today's money for him back then. Wow. Yeah. So he asked a fellow inmate, Marion Hedgepath, to help him find a lawyer that would support him in this. He promised to pay him $500, but never did. Surprise. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, this plan was to fake his own death. When a body turned up to the insurance company, uh, he, they became suspicious. This was the beginning of the end for Holmes. So he got his partner in crime, Ben Peitzel, or Benjamin Peitzel, to agree to fake his own death. The plan was to have his wife claim the $10,000 and split it with Holmes. Holmes might have had some different thoughts to that plan, though. Holmes was supposed to find a body that looked like Peitzel and make it look like he died in a fire, which was something legitimate that he could do. But Holmes decided instead to kill Peitzel and set it up where his wife would claim the money and then he would kill her and her children first. Holmes thought of everything in this case. He knocked Peitzel out and then set him on fire. He used chloroform after the body was burned. In case he got caught, it would exonerate Holmes by saying that he committed suicide. It was a common way for people to commit suicide back then because you could buy chloroform. I don't think you can go buy chloroform anymore. Mm, I don't know. Maybe on Amazon. And Amazon, if you'd like to sponsor us, we are available. Mm-hmm. Just putting it out there, except for chloroform. Uh, Holmes actually collected the insurance money on this one and then wanted to get rid of everyone that knew of his plan. He convinced Peitzel's wife that she would meet up with Ben in London, but the timing was never right for the meeting. He said that first he would reunite the kids with Ben and then they could all be together. So he took three of her kids and eventually killed them, but told the wife that they were with Ben. It's sad. The children wrote regularly to the mother until two days before they were killed. And I've actually read some of the letters and they are, really the kids are just sitting around bored. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. And then they were like, you know, Howard's gone. Howard was one of his kids. 
Mm. And um, but they didn't make it seem like it was a bad thing. So they must have thought that Howard was with Benjamin, yeah. their dad. Finally, things catch up with Holmes because he never paid Marion Hedgepath. Hedgepath went to the police and reported Holmes' plan. So a Philadelphia detective named Frank Geyer was assigned to the investigation. As the investigation went underway, they realized that three of Ben's five children were not with their mother, and the mother was also moving from city to city. This was very suspicious because this is not typically what would happen when a spouse dies. So they started to really focus in on Holmes, and it was not easy because of his many name aliases. They linked him to two important houses that he rented, one in Detroit and one in Toronto, and found remains of Peitzel's children, as well as drugstore reporting to have sold homes under different names, chloroform, and various other things. This led to a call-out to the Chicago Police Department that investigated the murder castle. They were shocked with the layout of the castle, and the newspapers pushed this story to the front-page news after his arrest. The Pinkerton Detective Agency was hired to track down the location of Holmes. You know, I used to work for Pinkerton, actually. What? I did not know that. Yeah, I have a Pinkerton badge, too, someplace. What? Yeah, and um, I wasn't a detective. I was a security guard, but Pinkerton was also hired to protect Abraham Lincoln. I was just going to say, that's how I know him. Yeah, they did such a great job with him. Well, they did, actually. (laughs) They were off that day, actually. Uh, They eventually found him in Boston on November 17, 1894. He was arrested for the crime of being a horse thief. But they used this just to detain him because they knew that there was more. They had a lot of questions about Peitzel. They didn't know if Peitzel was a fake body or the real body, and Holmes kept going back and forth on his stories with this. But they knew that they really needed a confession as there was not as much forensic evidence back then. Well, yeah. I mean, there was no DNA or anything. Yeah. You couldn't just DNA check the children and stuff. Um, Many claims have been made that Holmes had a bunch of torture equipment set up at the murder castle. This was probably all fabricated by the media and led to even more folklore about who Holmes was. But citizens were outraged by the stories. Uh, He was the talk of the entire country. It was America's Jack the Ripper, only he was caught. Holmes originally wouldn't confess to any of the crimes, but as more and more evidence of his crimes came out, he eventually confessed to the murder of 27 people. The problem with the confessions, though, is that some of those people either couldn't be linked to Holmes or were actually still alive. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, so... Uh, Some people have put the death count as high as 250 people, but we can only really confirm nine murders. This includes the three members of the Peitzel family, or four members of Peitzel family, including Benjamin. Yeah, so there's only five other murderers that can be confirmed that he did kill. Holmes was a liar and wanted to sensationalize his crimes, knowing that he would be put to death for killing Ben Peitzel and his three children. He made a deal with the Hearst newspaper for $7,500 for his confession and wanted to give them a story of a lifetime. I believe this also led to a lot of the stories that surround Holmes, but can't be proven or are just not accurate. You know, once again, I just have to mention he's going to have, uh, you know, he makes a deal for 7500 So again, he's got money coming in. Yeah. Well, where's it going? He's well, not going anywhere. 
He's in jail. Well, I'm going to talk about that in a second. I wasn't going to say exactly this, but I was going to tell you what the money was going to be going for. Uh So on May 7th, 1896, H.H. Holmes was hung at Philadelphia County Prison for the murder of Peitzel. Holmes remained calm up until the moment of his death. Despite this, he asked that his coffin be uh, contained in cement and buried 10 feet deep. He was concerned with gravediggers because he was one. And also, there's a belief that he was going to try to have another man impersonate him and die for him. That's where that Mm. money would have went to. Rebecca will probably talk more about this, and I will add what my thoughts are of some of the facts at that time. Uh, In traditional hangings, usually the person dies because their neck breaks when the body is released from the trap in the ground. This did not happen with Holmes. He was strangled to death, and his body was seen twitching for over 15 minutes before being pronounced dead 20 minutes after the trap had been sprung. Going back to the murder castle for a second, before Holmes' execution, there was a fire at the murder castle on August 1895. This fire took out the third floor, which was not fully operational. The only room that was completed was Holmes' office. The castle remained mostly intact until the post office took it over and tore it down in 1938. I'm sorry that I did not include many of the details of his murders, but as I said, I am willing to do a special episode just on the history of Holmes. There are many books about Holmes as well as several documentaries that spent hours talking about Holmes, and we just don't have that much time. If we want to keep the episode at a reasonable listening length, which already... This is going to be our biggest episode ever. Well, longest. He, yeah, I think he deserves it, though. Yes. Yeah. Can Can I vote right now? No, you cannot. Oh. <laughs> you can vote right now. No, you have to hear the debate first. Oh. <laughs> well, but you can vote. No, no, vote on. Oh yes, that yes. We want. Yeah, yeah, I would like. Vote. Yeah, I would like to place my vote right now. And um, that's no. And no, I. I <laughs> I'm just teasing. I would like to have uh, more H H Holmes. Yeah. Featured on Ghostly Podcast. Well, great. I would like that. Um, We usually take a break after the ghost story, but I think since we're, yeah, over 50 minutes now, I think we should take a break now. Okay, let's do it. When we come back, we'll uh, tell a ghost story. And debate and do all kinds of fun things. It'll be great. See you guys in a minute. Hey, Rebecca, guess what? What's that? Well, you know how we want Ghostly to not only tell and debate great stories, but also to give back to those in need? We do. Yeah, well, I've discovered this new app called PodCoin that lets you donate to charities with a currency you earn just for listening to our podcast or any podcast. That's awesome. Yeah, on PodCoin, you earn their digital currency, PodCoin, just for listening to podcasts. That sounds easy. It is. You can then donate your PodCoin to charities who will get real money donations. And you can also choose to save your PodCoin over time and exchange it for other rewards like Amazon and Starbucks. That's great. Who doesn't like Starbucks? Um, I hope no one. Yeah. Because I love Starbucks. Yeah, they'll give you um, gift cards right cool. there. And you could donate those gift cards too. You could, yeah. So download PodCoin in the App Store or in Google Play and use our special code GHOSTLY to receive 300 PodCoins just for checking it out. Awesome. Yeah. Rebecca. 
How about that ghost story? All right, here we go. So let's set the scene. You've made it to the big city. You are so happy to have been born <laughs> a young woman at the turn of the century America, where things are really starting to change. There's a women's building at the World's Fair, and women no longer just have to stay in their small town and hope to get married. Now you can move to the big city, or at least visit it, and have some kind of excitement and maybe even earn some of your own money. Maybe even meet a more sophisticated kind of man. And you do. He's dashing and smart, a doctor. And he's talking to you, telling you about the wonderful safe hotel he runs that's close to the fair. And maybe he'll even take you there sometime. Just come and stay with him. You move into a small room. Everything in this place seems odd, but strangely enticing. Twisting and turning, under construction constantly. But there's a bustling and newness to it, and big city life all around you. So you don't notice the odd looks he gives you. Instead, you believe his lies about how much he likes you and wants to help you, take care of you. Sweeping you off your feet so much that you sign whatever paperwork he asks you to sign. Then one night, you hear a click behind you when you close the door to your room. You try to open the door, but realize that it locks from the outside. And then you hear the hissing. You are suddenly struggling for breath. The last thing you hear is laughter. This story repeated itself many times at H.H. Holmes' murder castle. And when the girl was dead, he sent her body to the basement to be destroyed. A basement that still exists to this day, even if a new structure has been built over it. Those that work above it know the stories are true because they still hear the screams and feel the fear of that place. Wow, that's pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have some things for you to sign, too, when we're done. Uh, oh, I see, yes. If you're willing to sign it. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm sophisticated. I'm not a doctor, though. I, I see. As a, one, a letter to my parents saying that I decided to go traveling to Europe. Yes. And another mm-hmm. one is a life insurance policy. Well, I mean, that's just formality <laughs> for being on Ghostly. <laughs> Mondo signed it. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing to do. Okay. <laughs> when you come right. on Ghostly. Yeah, you have to sign the waiver. <laughs> All right, we ready for our debate? Yeah, let's do this. You know, I'm going to preface this with, I don't know how much I could really debate on this story. Mm, So, yeah, we'll see as we go along. So, like I said earlier, I didn't realize how much ghost or haunting stories that there were associated with Holmes and and that around him. So I'm going to start with, the one uh, I guess that would be maybe most known or most popular in some ways, which is the haunting of the castle itself, mm-hmm. right? So as you mentioned, the the castle burned down. Yes. Um, not too long after he was caught. Uh, and no, that's not necessarily true. Well, it was before he was executed, though, right? Not it burned down. Well, oh, right, right, right. There was, was a fire. Tr- there was a fire. But it left most of it intact. Gotcha. 
Well, it's interesting because some places say that it kind of gutted the place. So yeah, that was know. the old evidence. I see. The new evidence suggests that, no, it was intact until 1938 when the post office decided to tear it down. Okay. Yeah, so Not, I, I don't think it changes your evidence. I was just going to say, though. whatever. There was a fire there and yes. there's a lot of conspiracies as to who set the fire. There were two men that were seen and, yes. you know, but they don't really know if they were trying to cover up evidence or actually just upset with what was happening, but... Regardless, right? Um, So eventually, like you said, in 1938, they rebuilt or they built a new building on top of the space. But it's said that the basement is still there. And as Mondo mentioned, the tunnels and things that are underneath there are still there. And um, I don't know about any of the the equipment. I would assume that they got rid of like the vats for the acid or whatever, (laughs) like that those aren't there, but I don't know. Uh, Anyways, so people report um, feeling death and dread when they go by this location, um, that they so much so that they cross the street, uh, and supposedly many dogs won't walk in front of it. They kind of force their owners cross the street. So the, the quote I have is pastors, pastor buys, uh, pastor buys, pastors by, there it is who walk their dogs past the new building, claim that the animals would often pull away from it, barking and whining at something they could see or sense. It was something that remained invisible to their human masters, but which was terrifyingly real to the animals. Okay. So, I don't know. I mean, so, that seems... Do you mind if I go first and then no, no. you can yeah. go? So, what I would like to say about this is, first of all, really good good points there. Um I, I'm going to talk about the dogs first. Okay. Because that is something that really uh, rang out to me in the story there. Uh, dogs do have this ability to be able to sense where bad things have happened. Uh, we saw that with the St. Valentine's Day massacre. Yeah, that's true. Last yeah. time Mondo was here, yeah. we had a similar... Yeah, yeah, he's the dog expert. Yep. <laughs> he's the dog whisperer. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, yeah, they do sense these kind of things. And I used to have a dog. His name was Buford. Mm. Mondo remembers. And Max. Yeah, well, Buford was the one I was going to talk about, though. Um, I would take my finger and point it like a gun, and he would instantly get mad at me for that. He would, like, try to attack my hand then when I would do that. Like, what does he know about a gun? Has he ever seen a gun? (laughs) And do my fingers really look like a gun to him? You know, it's like... I don't know, but dogs sense these things are bad for mm. some reason. I, I don't know if it's a ghostly thing so much as it's um, like horses get creeped out by certain corners of their barn or something like that. They get spooked. I think dogs get this way too. Um, as far as the people having these feelings, I, I don't know if that's so much ghostly as it is more that they know what took place on that on that property uh, and as Mondo said, the property moved. The property, like where the post office is, is probably one small corner of where the actual murder castle stood. And the tunnels underneath, it's not uncommon for these places in Chicago to have tunnels underneath. A lot of these places did. They would transport liquor that way a lot of times, especially during the pro- uh, during Prohibition days. That's That was a big thing for Capone. A lot of the places were all tied up. Um, so I don't know. Uh, it's a very interesting point though. I want to say that, but I don't know if I really believe that they're really hearing screams or 
or whatnot. Mm. That's the skeptic in me, though. <laughs> well, what do you think, Mondo? Um, okay, so originally the building burned before he was executed. So I believe that was 1895. Not the whole building, though. Only the Part third floor. Part of the building yeah. burned. And then it sat there for almost four or just over 40 years. Yeah. Okay. And then it's finally torn down. Yes. So you mentioned like dogs may smell something or sense something. I mean, I don't know if they could <clears throat> smell a building that was burnt and sitting there for 40 years. <laughs> but I mean, it, you know, how many places do you know that are burned and, you know, usually they're torn down within a couple of years. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be that long, but 40 plus years, something standing That is there. something. You know, I learned something when we were on, when we did our hands-on paranormal um, event, which you could see on YouTube, just promoting our YouTube channel again, um, where Chicago doesn't like to remember these kind of things. So mm. we tear down all those buildings right. associated with death or mobsters or anything like that. Oh, yeah, always. They're gone. Yeah. We don't want to... Yeah, they they need to go. People, you know, it's just, you know, that's the spot where it happened. Yeah. So, Mm. Well, just to continue on a little bit with this. um, So it's not just people on the outside that will make this claim. Uh, Supposedly, employees will also make claims that they feel that sense of dread uh, and that they... They, have a, they don't like to go downstairs, obviously, uh, and that they they can hear the screams of yeah, that's the what people I was, yeah. that that's what I was speaking homes, to. Homes tortured. Yeah, well, I hadn't mentioned it yet, so I just wanted to make sure I put that oh, out, okay. out and there. Usually, yeah. there's something associated with most post office workers. You know, they you know huh, I think they, they have a name for it. They say going postal. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they don't seem to be very happy to begin with. Something is bothering them, and they don't Maybe. like stairs. You know, Sorry if you're uh, if you work at the post office and you listen I to ghostly. Saying, I think they've worked very hard to get rid of that. <laughs> <laughs> and they go up and downstairs that, all the time. That and, image you know, of yeah. the post they do, office. yeah, in shorts. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, the basement might not even align up with what the original basement was. So I, I don't know. Um, I I haven't talked to any of these people that work there, so I can't tell you firsthand what I what I really feel about that. I mean, I can only tell you that my feeling is that this, this just sounds like that they are thinking of the stories that they've heard about the murder castle. So we've got one more okay. about the castle, okay. which uh, I, well, actually I have to give the credit to Pat for finding this yes, story. And I he actually, you know, told me about it, which is, you know, pretty big of you. I to found do evidence that. supporting ghosts. Exactly. So, so we'll say yeah. that. Yeah. Um, okay. So on March 7th, 1914, the Chicago Tribune reported that um, Quinlan, who you talked about Right in the history, you didn't. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought that was. Anyways, he was a former caretaker. Yes. At the castle. I mean, I'm guessing maybe that was something. You know, like you said, it was empty for a long time. So maybe he was a person that was taking care. You know, kind of night watchman kind of thing. Well, I think they actually wanted to do like tours of the thing. I I think that was the original idea. Well, that's the other thing. If you're not going to tear it down, let's make money on it. I think they were going to, and I I think that's the reason why they hired him. That could be. Well. So he died by suicide, um, taking strychnine, which sounds awful. Actually, it is the fastest way to kill yourself. Okay, well, 
yeah, let's okay. Yeah, still awful. It's yeah, so bad. Uh, ooh, I think that. Um, oh, what was the? Oh, well, I'm going to go off in a other podcast land. But there well, was spies a pod- used to carry a you know a pill. Yeah. That would be. Yeah. What was that? Oh, the really popular NPR podcast with the guy down south. Uh, pretty sure that's how he. Well, I, I'm going to spoil a podcast, and I don't want to do that. Okay. So his body was found in his bedroom with a note that read, I couldn't sleep. And his relatives claimed that he had been haunted for several months and was suffering from hallucinations from working at the murder castle. So hmm. what do we think? you mind if I go first? Oh, sure. So what I really feel is, yes, I feel he was haunted. Okay. I'm going to say that. I feel he was haunted, but I feel that it was not by a ghost i feel he was haunted by a, like a psychological thing that he was in this spot for so long and he couldn't sleep because he was burdened with the idea with the emotions of that there were several killings in this place which as i said i don't know how many killings actually took place at the murder castle that was designed for that because there's only 9 confirmed killings and you know four of them we've already talked about so there were a couple done there but i don't know how many but i think just the concept of it the idea that there could have been 250 people killed there that probably spooked him and probably haunted his dreams so i don't believe it's an i don't believe it's an external i believe it's an internal haunting of himself what say you, Mondo? I think that I completely agree with that. Yeah. I have to say, I think that's a good point. Um, because, I mean, nowadays we're looking at it as far fewer people that were killed by homes. But back then, people were reading the worst and yeah. believing the worst, you know, from what they were hearing in the papers. From Holmes and, himself, too. And, right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, if you could think that something like that took place, and, I mean, sure, that would definitely haunt somebody. And, I mean, if, if you're that close to something. Yeah, so I don't know. I guess it just it seems extreme to me that you would be working at a place, and you might be weirded out, but why would you take the job if you were going to be so weirded out that it would lead you to kill yourself? So I don't know. To me, I feel like there might be some external factors, but I guess that's up to the listeners to decide. I went three days without sleep once. Mm. Three solid days. I know people say I couldn't sleep for weeks, but they actually do sleep a little bit in that time. I did not sleep for three days, and I will tell you, it messes with you. I had physical problems at that time, like my arms were hurting and my head was hurting and I couldn't focus, I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't even imagine what it would be like to spend months of not being able to get a solid night's sleep. Well, but again, what caused him to not be able to get that sleep? That's, I guess, what's the uh, up to the, the listener to decide because yeah. we, don't, we can't go back and really investigate. So either he saw things or heard things that made him not be able to sleep or it was what he imagined. So true. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. It was an inside thing. It was a psychological thing on his part. But uh, yeah, we can't we can't really look back at him and and ask him questions now. Yeah. All right. Ready to go on to our our next? So we have the castle, right? Supposedly haunted. the The next thing I wanted to bring up is a story that you actually had mentioned, which is that supposedly Holmes it was did not actually die. At his execution. I can't remember. Yes, yeah, you brought I that, bring that I brought up. that up. So the idea is that supposedly, right, he had paid somebody to switch 
with somebody else's body and that he wouldn't actually die. Um, can we can we stop at that point so I could argue that before you go on with the second one? Well, no, I was actually just going to say, uh, yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll, I'll wait for that part. But I was just going to say, I was, was going to ask you because I know okay. the truth, and I, I but I'd love for you guys to be the ones to explain what, what is the truth for that. Yeah, so um, Jeff Mudgen, Mudget, his uh, grandson, right? Correct. Yeah, or great-grandson. I'm oh, yeah, sure yeah. If it was you're right, great, great. Or, yeah. Um, yeah, he uh, had a great show. What was it on the Discovery Channel, I think? Uh, it was, uh, sorry, it's called, it's called uh, the American, American Ripper. Ripper. Yeah. Where, so he was trying to link H.H. Um, H. Holmes up with Jack the Ripper, which, man, I wanted to believe this so bad. I don't know why, but to me that gave me like great satisfaction to think that he was Jack the Ripper, too. For sure. Yeah. But they exhumed his body in 2017, and um, they actually did DNA testing, and it turns out that is H.H. H. Holmes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it is. I mean, they were, it's on History Channel, by the way. History Channel, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a really interesting show. History um, Channel, if you want to uh, sponsor us, <laughs> we, would, we would love to have you. <laughs> yeah. But there, yeah, there's no, uh, so we we do have real evidence. They, because he's family. Yes. So that he was able to get yes. the court to let them exhume the body and then they proved. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I do believe that he, that uh, Jeff Mudgett wants to do further um, investigating at the site of the murder castle. Yes, I believe he, he wants to do some digging, but they have not allowed that yet. Yeah, because he wants he he theorizes there might be more bodies or other things yes. buried there. Yes, I'd actually heard that uh, he may have found plans to the original murder castle. Oh wow! And wow. that's what he's uh, trying to do. There are supposed yeah. to be some additional tunnels. Ooh. Well, uh, yeah, I, you know. It's really interesting. He wrote a book called Bloodstains, where he actually um, believes that his great grandfather is is haunting him and um, is trying to lead his his searches. I believe. Yeah, I don't know, Jeff. If you're out there, we'd love to have you on the show. <laughs> we'd love to have you say your point of view. I don't necessarily agree with everything that you're saying, but man, I'm so fascinated by it. It's yeah. so, I don't know why that brings me such satisfaction to think <laughs> that he could have been Jack the Ripper. Yeah, well, we just had some evidence about Jack the Ripper, so we'll see. Yes. But it, it, that's always going to be up for debate. We'll, I think we'll that never. was just a guy that happened to be with that girl. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. I think yeah. so. So yeah, you wanted to get on with your second yeah, point. No, there. let me, well, I'll, yeah, I, I just, no, I just had a, a fun quote that, um, Holmes had written to a reporter yes. about himself. Uh, and, and this is something, I, again, this is all under the not true. Like, I don't believe this is true, but I just think it's really interesting. He said, I am convinced that since my imprisonment, I have changed woefully and gruesomely from what I was formerly in feature and figure. My features are assuming a pronounced satanical cast. My head and face are gradually assuming an elongated shape. I believe fully that I am growing to resemble the devil. That the similitude is almost complete. Wow. Well, as I said, I think he wanted to sensationalize his story. And people were already calling him the devil 
So yeah. I believe that he was going with that concept. Like, I don't believe he was like werewolfing it into uh, <laughs> right. into the devil. You know? I don't either. No. I, I I've really... seen Teen Wolf and yeah. I saw how that transformation. <laughs> I think if that happened, we would have heard more people yeah. talk about yeah. it. So. I think he just enjoyed, uh, he enjoyed conning people and he enjoyed yes. uh, sending people on wild goose chases. You know, he did that with the police when he was Yeah, uh, yeah during uh, the break, we were talking about that. Yeah, he would... Um, suddenly admit to killing somebody and putting their body somewhere and so of course the police were going to go and investigate it but when they got there of course they found nothing yeah. but that's why it took that just gave them personal a joy. lot of serial killers yeah. they do that yeah. that's their power they yeah. like that a lot of killers do that yeah not, not just serial killers. no not just they, serial killers but yeah, yeah even even people that have only killed once will do that mm. sometimes so yeah so he was enjoying himself yeah and some way he got like a satisfaction out of knowing that uh, people were interested in his story and were going to I, maybe more people would show up to his execution than they wanted to see the devil hang. Yeah, yeah. I think he was writing a book while he yes. was while he mm. was in prison too. I think that's true. So he would yeah. ended up with more money to pay somebody, and maybe they <laughs> yeah. really would have. Uh, yeah. gone through with it then. Yeah, right, maybe they maybe. would have actually helped him with his transformation into the devil putting mm. some makeup on him a little shadow here and a, <laughs> uh, it was a little inside joke that he had yeah maybe yeah. maybe he's telling him hey hey guys right. come on that's the guy in the cell next to me you yeah. notice his face is a little longer <laughs> yeah <laughs> All right. Okay, so let's move on to uh, this. So this is uh, related to the execution, um, this particular legend. So there's more legends associated with Holmes's execution um, that I think have more credibility than the fact okay. that he like faked it. Sure. So one just really quick to mention is that lightning struck across the sky at the moment the rope snapped or whatever like went down, which I think is just creepy. Yeah. But I don't know. I couldn't find any necessarily proof of that, but. I have not seen proof of that either, but I have heard that before. Yeah. But I really think that that's the media sensationalizing that it too. Could be. I that really could believe be. that they made this into something that it was it was horrific. I mean, you know, him killing those children, that's horrible, but I really think that they pushed this further than what it what it really was. Yeah, it sold papers. It did, yes. Yeah. For like five cents a piece or something back yeah, in those days. It adds up. Now it's like $18 for the newspaper. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but that's not the legend that I, know, I wanted to talk about. So um, supposedly a bunch of the people associated with Holmes's execution died mysteriously after his death, like a lot of them not long after his death. In other words, people claim that he continued to kill even after his death. So the first odd death was Dr. William K. Matten, a coroner's physician who had been a big witness at his trial. He died of blood poisoning shortly after Holmes. Some more strange deaths started to happen. Uh, the head coroner, Dr. Ashbridge, and the trial judge who had sentenced Holmes to death were both diagnosed with sudden and previously unknown deadly illnesses. Next, the superintendent of the prison where Holmes had been incarcerated committed suicide. The reason for uh, his taking his own life was never discovered. Several weeks after the hanging, one of the priests who prayed with Holmes before his execution was found dead in the yard behind his church. The coroner ruled the death um, as uremic poisoning. I don't even know what that is, but according I think to reports, do with uh, kidney function. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Um, he had been badly beaten and robbed. 
Um, a few mm. days later, Linford Biles, who had been jury foreman at the Holmes trial, was electrocuted in a bizarre accident involving the electrical wires above his house. Then the father of one of Holmes's victims was horribly burned in a gas explosion. And the remarkably healthy Pinkerton agent, Frank Geyer, suddenly became ill. But thankfully, he pulled through. Actually, he was a um, Philadelphia detective. Oh, okay. So he didn't work for Pinkerton, but he hired Pinkerton. So. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, not long after this, um, the office uh, of the claims manager for the insurance company that Holmes had cheated, or one of the one of them, he had cheated a lot of them, caught fire and burned. Everything in the office was destroyed, except for a framed copy of Holmes's arrest warrant and the two portraits and two portraits of the killer. Many of those who were already convinced of a curse saw this as an ominous warning. So I just wanted to end this with a quote from Holmes himself. I was born with the devil in me. I could not help the fact that I was a murderer. No more than a poet can help the inspiration to sing. I was born the evil one standing as my, oh, I was born with the evil one standing as my sponsor beside the bed where I was ushered into the world and he has been with me ever since. Wow. So lots of deaths. Sorry, I went through, I just wanted to, to get through them all, but these all happened. These were all people that were related to his getting caught and being executed and they all died after that, his execution. Hmm. I mean, I do think it's a really big coincidence that all these people died around that time. But I, I think we have to remember, too, that in the early 1900s, that people died pretty early in life. And death was death was something that, that would happen um, pretty regularly. Like, there wasn't safety codes. There wasn't, um, there wasn't as much... Um, concern for for safety. There wasn't much thought for life back then, and I just think that maybe maybe it is just a coincidence, and it isn't really anything ghostly related to that. Like they didn't die the way that Holmes killed people. Like they didn't burn in a furnace, or they weren't like gassed out. They they died of all things that seem. Like ways people die. They didn't fall into acid. <laughs> that we know of. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, what are your thoughts, Mondo? Um, well, yeah, it would make a good movie. You know, with right? all the people that died like that. Uh, but if you took it like case by case, for instance, like the doctor, earlier you mentioned that a lot of people, a lot of doctors would make their own concoctions. So he died of blood poisoning. Yeah. You know, is it possible that he was, you know, mixing something that got transferred through his skin or he drank something, he, uh, was, most, you know, by mistake? Most blood poisoning is, um, isn't, isn't caused from something from an external source. It's something that people are born with a genetic mm -hmm. defect or a, um, or a pre predisposition to gotcha. have these kind of things. Um, most blood diseases are, he could have been a hemophiliac or something, you know, we don't know. Hmm. Um, because, yeah, there wasn't, like, 
I think they might have grouped together a lot of things that they mm-hmm. considered to be blood poisoning. Right. I don't believe they really knew what what we know now as far as some of the diseases that you can have of your blood. Gotcha. Well, yeah. that kind of changes everything then. I mean, that was that was my theory. And it was then, your uh, theory? <laughs> yeah. So now I'm going with, I'm flipping. You're flipping <laughs> house? <laughs> no, seriously, this yeah. is a lot of death to happen. I mean, I tried, to, I tried to rationalize it and explain it that way, but yeah. It is a lot of deaths. Um, it, yeah, I... It was a ghost. I don't really have... <laughs> <laughs> The ghost of Holmes. I yes. really don't don't have much to defend this, just that I think that it could be a coincidence. And I would like us just to think of that for a second, that, you know, this could be just all a big coincidence. It could be just all random events that would have occurred had Holmes not been in the picture, too. Maybe. Maybe. Right. I mean, it's just, it's worth a thought. Yeah. But the electrical I think it's a lines were new, too. I mean, there were putting in fresh electrical lines and yes. this is something brand new. Yes. So it can happen. It can, yeah. All right. So I have one more. Okay. We are finally coming close to the end of this episode. Yeah, we still got to do closing arguments. And oh everything. my gosh. Jeez. Jeez. Okay. All right. So we talked about the castle being haunted, but as you you referenced this, that Holmes actually owned several other businesses, yes, some in Chicago. And one of them was a glass bending factory, which I don't even know for sure what, I mean, I don't know, what, bending, but okay. So glass bending factory. Uh, now, Mysterious Chicago is a tour company yes. owned by Adam Seltzer, the same guy who wrote the book that you referenced yeah. a lot for the yeah, history. he's an awesome guy. Yeah, so definitely we'll put a link out to their stuff and, and everything. Um, so they do tours and they do some that are like haunted tours, but a lot of them are also just tours of Chicago and like yeah. mysterious Chicago. So like more focused on the the weird macabre history, yes. you know, again, lots of gangsters, lots of places to go. Um, and so one of the places that they would take tours for just those macabre things was this glass factory because it was believed to be owned by Holmes on the north side of Chicago. Um, now, it's 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 not there anymore, and we can only kind of guess as to where it is. There's no real history or record of exactly the address of this place. So. Actually, they had it in the American Rippers. They were at the the place oh well right it's that area yeah. well they were yeah I, I, it, it was right on the lake yeah and that's where they believed he dumped a lot of bodies. right so they even went diving and stuff yes. yeah but again they're just there's no official record so we yeah. we just have our best guess yeah. right uh but anyways well because he would buy places under other people's names too so right. it was hard to determine yeah sure sorry i don't mean to keep interrupting that's you okay here. um so they um they're while they were doing tours, his, one of his tour guys actually called him and was like, hey, we're seeing some weird stuff. Um, so they saw a light um, somewhere and they couldn't explain the light. Um, but more, I think what's interesting is photos. Yes, photos. I've seen those photos. Yeah, so um, so I think I, I've sent both of you the photos. Yes. Um, so I'll try to describe them. There's two. Uh, and again, we'll put put them up on our, our website. But um, both of them have a black shadow figure in the photo. Uh, I think both of them it kind of clearly looks like a person, but the one Mondo you pointed out definitely looks more yeah. like a person. Yeah, you can almost see the clothing, and it it doesn't look like anything modern. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And there's a face. Right. Yeah. Almost. You can kind of see a face in there. Um, 
so because the but even the other one, if you look at it, you can kind of see like legs. I mean, it definitely has a human shape to it. Um, so there's a woman standing there, and then they take the photo, and they they didn't see this at the time. It wasn't like they were necessarily. I don't know if they were taking a photo of the shadow, but um, it just showed up in there. And then the other one, again, a bunch of people standing there looking at the the spot. Um, and then they took another picture uh, kind of a, from a different angle. You can see the same building off to the right, um, but it's a different spot and another shadow figure is standing there. So, ghosts. So, uh, first, before we get into anything, I would like to talk about the glass bending factory. Interesting tidbit there. There was never any glass bending that happened in this factory. Ah. <laughs> so, supposedly... Uh, Holmes bought this place and he was trying to get invest investors into the place. And he said that he developed a new way to bend glass. Ah. And he brought in one of his big furnaces that he was known to have. And um, they were like, okay, well, let's see what you can do. And days went by and he didn't bend any glass. And then one day he's like, well, it, you know, it's just going to take a while. So he had everybody leave. And uh, the next morning when they came in, there was a piece of bent glass in there. But there was no ashes. There was no nothing to say that there was actually a fire. So he probably put that piece of bent glass in there just to throw them off, thinking that he would be clever. We should have brought AJ on this episode. Oh, he's a glass blower. Yeah, yes. we have a friend who's studying this right now. Yes. I bet he could explain glass bending. Yeah, I'm sure he can. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, this is a very interesting story, and those pictures look very convincing to me. Um, although, my thing about pictures is that I, I wasn't there, I didn't see it, and if if I don't see it with my naked eye, I have a difficult time believing that these really happened. If it's just in photography, could it be something that was done by the camera when you took the picture? Could it be another picture superimposing on that? Me and me and Mondo have went back and forth about one picture that his friend uh, sent him that I really, <laughs> I, I mean, it looks really convincing, but I don't. I just, to me, that's not really evidence to support it. So it doesn't change my mind in that regard. But those pictures do look very convincing. And uh, maybe we should reach out to Adam and see if we could use those pictures on our site. Okay. Yeah. Well, and, otherwise, we'll put a link at least to his yes, website absolutely. so you can see it. Yeah. I would like you guys to see it before you go vote and <laughs> determine if you think it's real. Yeah. Well, Wanda, what do you think? They look real to you? I think they definitely look real. I mean, you know, uh, when you can look at something like that and see the detail, um, well, then that kind of makes you real ed- realize that you're not just looking at a smear on a camera, but you're looking at something that, um, you know, I guess is unexplained, but I also noticed the appearance of the clothes. You know, they mm-hmm. look kind of dated, you know, it looks saggy. But to and, me, it looks um, like a like a factory worker or something like someone that did a lot of manual labor, like a jumpsuit kind of thing. Somebody that did that. So yeah, you're believing that this possibly could actually have been somebody that would have been doing manual labor at a glass factory. I'm just saying, I like having Mondo on the show. (laughs) Yes. I'm just saying that I, 
I have not done any kind. I don't have the actual images, so I can't do any investigating as far as that goes to see if there was any photoshopping done. I don't believe that there was. It doesn't look like it. It doesn't look like something that someone would post on their website, you know, but I'm just saying it could be superimposed from another picture. It could be a reflection of something else. I don't want to be too skeptical about it. I want you guys to decide. I just want to say that uh, this kind of evidence doesn't really change my mind. I find it interesting. I find it fascinating. I like looking at it, but I don't, it doesn't really make me a believer. I don't go to go to sleep scared, I would be happy to sleep in any building that they say is haunted <laughs> because I just don't believe that. Oh, we're totally doing that at some point. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, I think you were talking about something about Halloween. Oh, well, I did want to mention that the last um, few years, it seems that there's been a lot of H.H. Holmes-themed haunted houses oh. all around. Um, and the Congress Hotel, which uh, those of us in Chicago know, it's downtown mm-hmm. Chicago, which known could be for haunted. being known yeah. for being haunted. We will do an episode on the Congress Hotel. Yes. Stevie, okay. That Stephen King story about the hotel yeah. room is based on the hotel room. Lots of stuff. But they actually even did... Because there's supposedly a story that people see Holmes's ghost at the Congress Hotel, whatever. That we, we don't have time for it. But uh, they even had like a haunted stay, like yeah. you could stay there for uh, in honor of Holmes. Mm. So, and, anyways, if you're if you like the story, when it comes Halloween time, take a look around. There's a good yeah. chance somewhere nearby mm. you there might be a, a a cool activity or thing you could do that's based on uh, Holmes and his murder castle. Yeah, I would yeah. like to say too, around Halloween time, there's a really good haunted house in Aurora called the Basement of the Dead. Oh. It's one of the best. Yeah, I used to work there, and uh, they, those people are just amazing, and they put on a really good show. A really good show that changes every year. They do not just do the same haunted house every year. Yeah. Like, it's new. Like, you can go every year because it's different. And also, I'd like to um, give a shout-out to hauntedillinois.com for showing us a lot of support on social media. Uh, they are amazing. I, I go there. I go to their site all the time. Uh, I can't wait to, you know, for the Halloween season to start exploring some oh. of oh, Mondo, more stuff. Yeah. I was just going to mention, you know, being that we're in the Chicago area and, you know, you're on the skeptical side with the photographs, yeah. you know, we ought to take a trip down there and take some photos ourselves. To the basement from- of the dead? Uh, no, actually, to the uh, to the glass we will be doing factory. A Basement of the Dead episode. To the glass um, factory, yeah. Yeah, that we should go like there. A good idea. Yeah. All of us, we should get a group of us that take a bunch of different pictures and just look through them. So yeah. each of us have a different. Uh, this way, we were all there. Have you ever been the, by that area? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's actually it's along the Chicago River, and it's yeah. right where uh, City Front Fountain is. That sure. is the location. Uh, okay, for those that I don't know, it, Mondo's it's, just been everywhere. <laughs> he, a, he remembers every detail of every place he's ever been to. I love it. it like a map of Chicago. Yeah. But here's the secret, okay? If there's a place that's good to eat that's like right around the corner, I will remember ah. that So what's location. the place that's good to eat around there? Uh, Dick's Last Resort is oh, about yes, half yes. a block away. Is it the old Dick's or the new one? It's the one at the House of Blues. Uh, the one... That the old one that the old is one. Yeah. okay. Then I've been there too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. That's where you can get a boat tour and you could take a boat taxi too. Yeah. I believe and yes. get chewed out at the same time. 
Oh, I, there's a story. There. <laughs> there's a reason that they're called dicks. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah they're uh, they yeah. kind of live up to their name. Yeah. The waiters do. Okay. Yeah. The staff. Being that they seem like Richard. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just really quick, I want to go back to haunted a little. I, I absolutely use that website. Like I'm not just we're not getting paid by them or anything. Like I really do use that website. And when it comes time for Halloween and you're looking for things to do, or even not Halloween time because we all love Halloween all the yeah. time, they are a great place to go. Okay, so let's get into our closing arguments. We're pushing two hours on this episode, so let's <laughs> let's get let's this do done. <laughs> so what we do is this closing argument gives you gives each person one minute to debate to do a final debate. We are not allowed to debate anything that they say during that one minute. Make a final stand. It's a final stand. It's you know want the your final vote. word. Yep. And we time each other. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get my timer all set up and ready for Rebecca. I got mine ready. Okay. Well, give me one second. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be good. And remember, the poll is going to be on Facebook. And this time we'll have yes. a third option since we have Mondo. All right, yeah. Are you ready? Are you, are you ready? I, I'm ready. Okay. Let's go. All right. So I did not realize how many ghost stories were associated with homes until I started to do the research. In fact, uh, people had told me I wouldn't find anything. So I was shocked at how much I did find. And uh, But then again, I think I shouldn't be shocked because he was an evil person who did a lot of horrible things, killed a lot of horrible people, or killed horrible people, <laughs> killed people horribly. Um, and that, as we know, is what causes ghosts right causes that energy when you die this horrible death before your time um and you don't have that time uh, or that ability to express your um you know just the your emotions with it um you have a tendency to stick around and so it just it doesn't make it's it makes sense to me that there would be screams and hauntings and bad feelings. And I think there's just too many deaths. Oh, oh man. Do you want to mm. finish your Well, point? too many deaths associated with the uh, curse after him. That just, that's, I just think it's real. So, Mondo, you ready to go next? I am. It's just a little warm in here. So I'm just going to unbutton my shirt <gasps> here for a minute. And that just kind of, sorry, but it's like. What? <laughs> okay, so last time I had a shirt on. That spoke about my skepticism. So Mondo was wearing a ghost shirt. <laughs> I'm and also so is wearing Rebecca. my ghost shirt. Time for a ghost adventure. What yep. does your shirt say? Just ghost? Ghost. Like the band? <laughs> the band. Oh, the yeah. band ghost. Yeah. Yeah. You're just a music fan. That's, That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, my brother gave me mine. So. All right. You ready to go, Mondo? I am. All right. Let's get it started right now. Okay. So we all know H.H. H. Holmes was an evil dude. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, the, he was, uh, you know, guilty of a lot of things. He loved to scam people. Um, but more than anything, I mean, he killed people. He killed a lot of people. And I mean, yes, we're thinking that the numbers are less than what, um, you know, we originally thought or what was reported in the news. But either way, there are a lot of people that are gone and there probably are more than nine victims. And I know I came across as a skeptic in this episode because, you know, I kind of looked at things like the dogs and, you know, the burning building that had been there. But uh, if there is any place that could or should be haunted, it is the probably the site of the murder castle. Because if so many bad things took place there and so many people died, 
in such horrible manners. I mean, that should be the place. All right, you made it right at the one minute mark. Perfect. Woohoo. All right, so Rebecca, you, ready, you ready to time me? Let's do it. And go. So I don't really know what I'm going to say in this one minute. Um, I didn't prepare a closing argument this time because I wanted to see where the episode took me. And what I'm thinking is that if there was going to be a place that was going to be haunted, definitely this would be some place that I would suspect. Although I have not seen any physical evidence that supports this to me, pictures are great, but I don't, uh, I don't often believe them. Uh, that's just me. I don't mind you believing. I want you to believe. I want you to have fun with this, and I want you to take it to wherever, whatever level you want to be at. But for me, I'm still going to remain hashtag team skeptic. All right. You got 15, 13 seconds. Hashtag Team Skeptic is the best place to be. <laughs> we have the best food. <laughs> we have the best wine. Watch Game of Thrones. Okay, mm. oh, perfect timing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So I think that is our episode. <laughs> it is going to be a long one, guys. Yep. I think this is going to be like an hour and a half. So okay. after I get done with some of the editing, taking out all your great points. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. So I want to thank everyone so much for listening to Ghostly. We have a lot planned for the next few months. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to be updated. And we do have an email list that we don't talk about very often. No, but it's really nice. You send out a super nice email. Yeah, just once every two weeks. Yeah. Just when the episode comes out. I really just focus on the, hey, this episode, here's some of the things you're going to hear. And then I will also tell you what the next episode is. And it's a sneak preview. Yeah, so by being on the email list, you are the first people to hear what the next episode is going to be about. So that's a reason to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't announce right away on Facebook because we'd like people to take some time to actually, you know, absorb the episode that we did and appreciate it for what it was. Mm -hmm. So... Our next episode will be on Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Mm. Waverly Hills, that's not where you want to be. Mondo's new hit song. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And it will come out on May 29th. So we're having three episodes this month, possibly a fourth, if you guys want me to do that special special edition of ghostly that will not interfere with our episode schedule but it will be just (laughs) on hh homes yep uh it was suggested by a long that the waverly hills episode has been suggested by a longtime friend and current listener mike morrissey and we can't wait to talk about it uh we did do an interview with him and use some of that interview in our shadow people episode that was way back in episode what was it six something yeah, we're at episode ago. 15 now. Yeah, so right? we've had this in the can for a long time. Um, we just couldn't fit it in. We've got so many ghost stories we want to tell you I guys. I know, I know. But we love it when listeners send us suggestions. We and we really do want to try to fit in as many as we can. And this yes. is uh, this is one of them. So yes. I'm excited. So yeah. Mondo, you have anything going on that you'd like to talk about? Um, Sure. Uh, I also am a musician. And I'm- A good in- musician at that. <laughs> and thank you. And I've- been involved in uh, a few different projects, uh, like dry roasted peanuts. Yeah, that back was a in the great day. band. <laughs> yeah, we were going to tour with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Isn't that the band you want to see with them? Why the, do we call them dry roasted peanuts? Dry roasted. 
Yeah, we, <laughs> there was a movie. It's, it's stupid, yeah. Mark, but okay. Anyways, but uh, so anyway, yeah, I'm uh, currently working on uh, completing an album that I'm going to release on iTunes. Um, right now, I only have a single that's on iTunes uh, under the band uh, Life Bomb, and uh, later this year, I plan on releasing a full album. So, what kind of music is this? Kind of music that you want to listen to, you know. Uh, or that belongs in a scary movie or stuff that, you know, it's mainly instrumental stuff. It's, uh, you know, a lot of keyboard and electronic, but just, um, you know, something to set the mood, you know, like right before you get ready to listen to ghostly and, uh, you know, this is the Maybe kind of Maybe we could even feature hear. one of your songs in one of our episodes. Ooh, definitely. Cool. Yeah. And uh, we'll definitely drop a link when it comes out. Do you awesome. have any idea the time frame of when it's coming out? Probably the end of summer. Right. You know, After right. After the boys of summer are done. Yep. That's yeah. the perfect time to release it. Yes. It is. Definitely. All right, guys. Yeah. So I want to I wanna thank you, Mondo, for coming on the show. I want to thank you guys for having me. And uh, I love this show. I love the point of view that you guys... Uh, that you guys and the arguments you guys present the story the history uh you know just keep it up i love it and uh, i know uh mike morrissey is a great storyteller when it comes to that stuff he is, he is. and he has a know, dj voice too i don't know if you knew this but yeah he kind of does he's yeah. like hey guys welcome <laughs> to man he's awesome though. yeah and yeah, he's shout got, out to mike morrissey he actually travels to a lot of these places yes he does. He, he does he goes there i mean you know just to get the vibe of the place and you know, and he was a skeptic too at one time. He was, and then yeah, Waverly Hills converted him. I think. Ooh, mm. now I'm intrigued. So yeah. I want this to convert me. Yeah. So okay. I'm, you know what? You just need to do the legwork. You need to get out there and go to these places. Well, and I think, you know, a year's time from now, we might be talking to a completely different Pat Harrington. Could he you might imagine? be, and then that we have to our, find we... a skeptic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, it is our plan. We do want to do some more traveling. We're actually going to Orlando in a few weeks. So, I'm, yes. I'm, if anyone has any um, ghosty things we could see, like see there. Disney haunts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're definitely going to try to look some of those up. So, yeah, we keep um, saying that. We will. Yeah, <laughs> we've right. been working on this. <laughs> well. Guys, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we will see you next time. Remember to stay ghostly. Bye. Bye.